I'm Will Iverson. I'm the founder of Double Robot, an independent video game studio. My background is in software development. I've been writing code since I was a kid. I spent many, many years doing software development consulting. And then a few years ago, I had the opportunity to be able to pivot and switch to making games. Uh, the name of my game is Blaze Sky. It's a space opera action role-playing game. So the one-liner is Asteroids, the role-playing game. It's got really good 3D graphics. Um, 4K looks beautiful, runs really well on even pretty moderately powered machines. Gameplay is super easy. It's pick up and play. So even though it looks like a 3D game, screenshots that you could use as desktop patterns, really pretty. Uh, the controls are dead simple. Pick it up, easy to play, run around, blow up spaceships, have fun. And that's a role-playing game, so it's got a big story to it as well. This is the second episode of the series with Blaze Sky. The first started in episode 97. So if you need to catch up, go check out the show archive. In this episode, we talk about cosmology and Blaze Sky. Okay, so really briefly, the question is, if you do the math and you say, well, there's so many stars in the, in the galaxy or the universe, and if a certain percentage of them all had life on them and a certain percentage of them were civilized. If you start with a really big number, Drake like equation. A, yep. Drake equation, exactly. Then you should have a lot of intelligent life out there. Yeah. And as far as we can tell, there's not, we're not seeing any signals. We're not whatever. Right. Right. Frank Drake is a radio telescope astronomer, one of the pioneers of the modern field of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence with Giuseppe Cocconi, Philip Morrison, Josef Shklovsky, and Carl Sagan. Drake co-designed the Pioneer plaque with Carl Sagan in 1972. It was the first physical message sent into space. In 1961, Francis Drake developed an equation to predict the likelihood of advanced extraterrestrial intelligence. On the left-hand side, we have N, which is the number of civilizations in our galaxy with which we might hope to be able to communicate with. Then, on the other side of the equal sign, we have several terms. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven terms. The first term is the big number, and the rest of the terms, for the most part, are fractions that reduce that big number. So the big number is our star, which is the average rate of star formation in our galaxy. Our Milky Way galaxy is estimated to contain 100 to 400 billion stars and every year, 
the galaxy produces about three more. Now, if that was the end of the Drake equation, we would be overrun by intelligent life and have large communities of diverse uh, people living together, just like in the space opera movie Valerian. But unfortunately, the next set of terms are all, except for one, reducers. And here they are. FFP is the fraction of those stars that have planets. NE is the average number of planets that can potentially support life per star that has planets. FL is the fraction of the above that actually go on to develop life at some point. FI is the fraction of the above that actually go on to develop intelligent life. FC is the fraction of civilizations that develop a technology that is actually detectable for the rest of us in the galaxy. Now we have our last term, which is an increaser, which is L. And L is the length of time a civilization will release detectable signals into space. So if that civilization isn't long-lived and our civilization isn't long-lived, We will still miss detecting each other, missing each other's messages, like ships passing in the night. Now, essentially, the game is like this. You have this large number, which is the average rate of star formation in our galaxy. And the rest are about how optimistic you are about those factors. There is observable data for the fraction of stars that have planets. And we are getting observable data about the average number of planets that can potentially support life per star that has planets. But then we start hitting the really wild ones like the fraction of the above that actually go on to develop life at some point and the fraction of the above that go on to develop intelligent life. Those are our largest um, wild ass guesses. The show notes contain a link to a Drake equation calculator from which you can play with these numbers and look at the large amount or small amount of civilizations we might be able to communicate with. And that begs all these questions, right? Anthropomorphic principles and all this other stuff. So a lot of science fiction, especially the really contemporary stuff, has to answer the question of where the hell is everybody else? Mm-hmm. So like in, in Alistair Reynolds stuff, it, he posits this this race of intelligent machines that basically goes around and reaps intelligent species that breaks a certain point, which mm-hmm. then like the Mass Effect guys used, the, used as the basis for their story. So in my my story, that was one of the things I, I needed to answer was like, where the hell is everybody, right? And so for me, the answer to that was A, that just it's really hard for life to get started on its own, much, much harder than the Drake equation would imply. And one of my little hobby things is I have a little spreadsheet up on Google Docs. And every time I read an article that talks about some horrific thing that makes it hard for life to exist, I add it to the list. <laughs> and, I, and I'm up to like 30 or 40 things now, right? Like you, you need a Jupiter to sweep a debris away. You need a radiation um, protection for the magnetic sphere. You need the sun to be the right size. You need the planet to be not too variable in its in its orbit. You need 
enough water on the planet that's liquid to allow the planet to form life. You need the hydrothermal vents. You need not to be so liquid liquid that it's an ocean world, because if it's an ocean world, then you can't hold things together to get... Like, you have a lot, a huge list of things. And so, the problem is, is that it's almost like this reverse Drake equation, right? Yeah. So, in my story, the idea is, is that there's just not that many intelligent life forms around, but that the archai were busy creating there their own forms of their own life and setting up their own planets. So one of the things that makes it work as space opera is that when the player as part of the events of this, the archive wind up having to open up and they're going to have to admit to all of these worlds that they could have been traveling FTL all this time. So that's what, like especially in future works, acts as sort of the platform for introducing a lot of other FTL species that are also at roughly the same technology level. Because like one of the things I always found a bit of a stretch was stuff like, oh yeah, the Klingons have been flying around in space for thousands of years before humans. Why the hell aren't they so advanced that they just crush everything, right? Right. So I wanted to answer those things. So it's a whole platform. It's the 22nd century, and although there's no faster-than-light drive, governments and religious organizations fund voyages by giant ships that spend multiple generations in voyage to Earth-like exoplanets. Young Arcady feels blessed to be born aboard the ship when he did because the ship will soon reach its destination and it will happen during his lifetime. But he's heartbroken that instead of being trained as a pilot, he is stuck training to be a farmer because those skills are more important for creating their civilization and completing the abandonment of Earth and the troubles they left behind. But once their ship makes planetfall, the strife left behind a millennia ago resurfaces, starting with the murder of his sister. After the mysterious disappearance of other generation ships, Arcady now, an officer of the Space Force, suspects that someone close to him is killing his people. This murder investigation Space Opera is a novelette by Lancer Kind and it's called Memories Victims. It is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble's Nook. Blaze Sky is on the Steam Games platform. You can go right there and search for Blaze Sky, one word, and you can wishlist or purchase the game. There's also a link in the show notes. So if you open up your podcast player, you can just tap, tap, tap right to the location. Next episode, we're going to hear more from Will Iverson, founder of Double Robot, about Blaze Sky. Will, you also are a writer. So why did you build this game instead of a book? 